Hello and welcome to our podcast Taking Chances with me Sohela Joshi and my co-host Anupama Bhalla. Our guest today is Apurva Purohit, co-founder of Azol, an independent director and also an author. She is well known for her people-oriented leadership and focus on culture in all the organizations she has led. Lady, you're not a man. Lady, you're a boss. I just love her books with these sassy titles. They both are so pertinent and real for all working women. This episode is for everyone who wants to find their voice and lead with confidence. A strong woman with a strong voice on our podcast Taking Chances. Welcome Apurva. So thank you so much Apurva for joining Anu and me on our podcast Taking Chances. We are delighted to have you with us. I'm so happy to meet two enterprising women and people who are part of the media world and Femina Filmfare are very close to me. I did my first media plan for Pamulev using Femina and Filmfare. So I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> you know, the first question, Apurva, I mean, you have an illustrious career. You're on, you know, you advise on so many, you know, boards, you're an author and so many things you do. But what is the path that you have taken to get you where you are today? I would say, you know, that couple of things that I did, which I believe are a little different from other, uh, other people. The first one I would say is that I've constantly wanted to evolve. So the Apurva that one would know 20 years ago is very different from the one 10 years ago is very different from today and tomorrow. So that desire to evolve has been a very strong part of my personality and um, character trait. The other thing, again, which a lot of people, especially women don't do is take risks. And I think I did that whenever I got an opportunity. And I think all of us get opportunities, big, small, silently, vociferously, we all get opportunities, but many people don't grab them. So I've, I've, I've been willing to take risks and move out of my comfort zone. So I would say I've been comfortable moving out of my comfort zone. These are the two, three things where I believe I've been a little different. That's interesting because, uh, you know, Sola and I also started out doing a lot of things, uh, you know, after coming out of just being in pure jobs. And I get what you're saying because there are women out there who want to do things, but they're not actually doing it, but they have great ideas. So, you know, just taking off from that, uh, Apurva, what tends to happen is when we look back on our life, we find that somebody somewhere said something to us, which really made us make that take that leap. Or we had an experience that made us take that leap. So has that happened to you? And what was that specific thing or things that led you to say, hey, you know what, I can do a lot more than what I think I'm capable of or I'm doing right now? I would talk about a couple of incidents. It sort of, you know, were, when I look back, those are the ones that sort of catapulted me into a different uh, sphere and so on. The first one was really when I was studying in I am um, Bangalore. And uh, after the first year, I came out of the institute with a lot of lack of confidence because I, I thought the people around me, the, the, they were mostly men, just a handful, handful, nine women and 120 men and IIT engineers and very, very bright. And I came out of that first year feeling that I'm not bright enough. I'm not intelligent enough. I'm not good enough. And then I did my summer training at an uh, institute at an advertising agency and the manager who worked with me, he just pushed me to do things. And it was not like 
being a mentor or guiding me or telling me that I was smart. He would just give me things. I want you to go and do this. I want you, I'm doing a, a, a lecture at a MBA institute with people who are more senior to you. You go and give that lecture instead of me. So he just pushed me. And I realized that when he was pushing me, I was delivering and I was delivering very, very well. And that suddenly I went back for my second year and it had changed my confidence levels. And then you realize that actually it is there within you. It's your mental makeup and your mindset, which is diminishing you or minimizing you. I think that was the first thing. The second thing is after some seven, eight years of working in advertising and media, one of my earlier bosses called me and gave me an opportunity, which was like several leagues above what I was doing. And again, as I said, I grabbed the opportunity. It was, I was very nervous. It was a very difficult environment that I was getting into, but obviously he saw something in me. And that again was a mirror to me that if people around me are looking at me, as if I'm capable of doing more, why should I? I should be my own best friend and I should say to myself that I can do more. Why do I need external people? I think these are the two things which have remained with me always and helped me to keep saying that, yes, I can do more. Right. These two nuggets are really interesting and it looks as if you know you still carry them with you currently also in your journey. So Anu and I, you know, we both have worked as, you know, in media and, uh, you know, in entertainment for 20 plus years. We have, we lead teams, we lead young teams. We both, uh, you know, have worked on big brands, but there are some realities that women face in business. And, you know, it would be interesting to have your perspective on what are the realities today that, you know, women are facing. What are your thoughts on that? See, there's no getting away from the fact that the business world, the corporate world, the VC world, the public uh, places are all designed for men. Let us not, we can't, we can't, there is not nobody to blame. There is nobody to point fingers at. It is a reality. Men were working, men were the chief wage earner many, many years before women became, uh, you know, equal hunters, right? So the, the world, the spaces, the public spaces around us, whether you talk about India or, or any Western country or, or, you know, anywhere in the world, are largely designed for men. Now, in this, what do we do? What do we as women do? Do we just sit and say, you know, complain and gripe about the whole uh, situation and see, look at, and talk about the unfairness of life? Or do we turn around and say, you know, no. So this is our reality. This is the ecosystem. This is the social sphere. What can I do to make a difference in that? I think an ability to accept the reality of it being a male-dominated world in business and corporate, and then the ability to say that I will not become like them. Using my differences, using the fact that women are unique, I will make my own mark. I think that's that's how I would look at what's happening um, around us. Yes, it's becoming better. 30 years ago, when, when I joined, uh, started working to 20 years ago to now, there are more women, there are more women reaching the top, but they're still a fraction. They are less than 5%. So the world is changing very, very slowly. But in this slow changing world, our ability as women to say, no, I will not run away. I will be unique and different, but make a mark. I think that's, that's, how I would define what's happening and what we should be doing. Just one more point I yeah. have on this, Apurva, is that do you hire gender blind or do you hire more women knowing that it's only that fraction? I mean, it's, it's very little. So what do you do? I mean, how do you hire? 
given equal talent, equal skill, equal experience, I would naturally be biased towards women because as, and I'm not talking as a woman leader, I'm talking as a business head. I'm talking as a leader of an organization, a gender neutral leader of an organization. I've always believed, and I think now facts are proving us out, results are proving us out that the more diverse an organization, and not just in gender, but in generation, in race, in culture, the more diverse an organization, the better it is able to manage um, ups and downs of uh, changing business cycles, external uh, environment issues, etc., etc. So to answer your question, merit being equal, I'm biased towards recruiting more women because there are lesser women. No, 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 that, that's a very interesting point because, uh, you know, one of the NGOs I work with is in the LGBTQ community and uh, we emphasize a lot on this diverse hiring. And yes, there are a lot of statistics now that prove that the more diverse you are, you're bringing in a different kind of talent into the system, no doubt. And it's great to know that conversations about women are beginning to happen and change is happening. So yeah, I mean, Apoorva, that's a very interesting point because the NGO that I work for currently is in the LGBTQ space and they talk a lot about diverse hiring. You know, our founders talk a lot about that and they have a lot of statistics to prove that the more diverse you are, the better the organization does because you have a pool of great resources. So, you know, that's a really good point. But having said that, and with the current situation of women, I mean, yes, it's improving, conversations are happening, but slowly, as you also said, is there a different corporate ladder climb for women? Does it take longer? And because, you know, are you only as good as the last great thing that you did? And do you feel that women should strike out more on their own to really make it big and show their potential or the corporate world will play fair by them in the long run? That's a difficult question you've asked because, um, yes, I, I, I think the corporate ladder for women is very different from the corporate ladder for men. And I would say, it's even more so at, at the middle management, senior management level. Okay. So till a particular level, increasingly there is fairness, there's equality, uh, leaders don't see and increasingly male leaders are also re recognizing the rewards of diversity. So I would say till about middle management level, provided women themselves stay the course and don't leave because they've got married or have had little children, so on and so forth. There is equality, fairness. You will see at that till that level, equal number of men and women. However, post that, as women become senior and as the pyramid itself gets narrower, there are lesser jobs at a CXO level. There are even lesser jobs at the CEO level. Then right. what is out is two things. One is the talent pool itself. If there are nine men and two women at senior management level, obviously it's more likely that the probability will ensure that a man becomes the CEO. Right. So, so that's one part, probability itself ensuring that more men reach the top. The other part is I believe strongly that at that CXO level, a lot of women are sort of giving up. They are saying, I've fought so hard. I've reached this level. I'm the only woman in the room. Now, why do I need to strive for that last toughest job? Because it's not an easy job to be a CEO. You, you're not a popular person. You, you have to take tough calls. So they just give up the fight, I believe. Equally, I think there is a, I, I call it the invisibility cloak sort of uh, around senior women. Until you had reservations, no board encouraged women to join the board, right? So, so the fact is that men just don't see senior women. If given a choice, 
they would recruit more men in the board at ceo level because you you know and and it's natural you want to recruit people like yourself you are comfortable with your own gender so you will recruit more men till reservations came in this is how it was uh, uh, this is how it was playing out so clearly it is far far tougher for women to sort of reach the top especially at the second layer is the solution as you are asking moving out and starting something of your own maybe maybe not i think it's it's a very individual choice i i've never believed in you know that you should run away from a from a fight you know this so resonates with me personally you know so when i was like 27 28 i wanted to be a ceo that was like my end goal and i i don't know whether i would say i gave up the fight or what but i just think that you know the other things became more or uh, you know important or you know family and all of that and i think you just kind of move yourself without even you realizing it and you kind of reassess your dreams so i mean i mean looking back i mean that was something i wanted so bad but was you know i i don't think i'm on a path of you know reaching there or wanting that as much so yeah it resonates uh, with me quite a lot when you say this so So okay moving on apurva uh, you know new years are all about resolutions and one of the resolutions that i've had always is to say that this year is going to be a work life balance i mean i'm going to achieve that what's your take on that is that a myth is that possible how do you uh, deal with work life balance so firstly i i i think it's a myth okay it was a myth earlier it's become even more of a myth post the pandemic because let's see what's happened in the pandemic pandemic has ensured that you know we are working from our home spaces while we had made silos at 9 to 5 while we at work and 5 onwards is my time weekend is my time today it's not there from your bedroom you are setting up your office desk and working from there so those silos itself have broken okay so i think there is no concept of work uh, work life balance if we try if we try to put it into boxes of time okay and and mark my words the point that i'm making if we try to say weekdays is my office time weekends is my personal time there is no concept it will not exist it doesn't happen it doesn't happen even if you try to make a silo your mind doesn't switch off many times and even if you know if you have a sick child at home at, uh, when you're at work you're thinking of what's happening at home right so so i i, I don't think this um, uh, this concept exists yes what can happen is, are two things one is work life integration so and i'm hoping the pandemic has shown both managers and executives that there is a work life integration that is possible what is this work life integration that this is that you saying that okay at 11 o'clock in the morning if i have got to go to for a pta on a wednesday so be it manager should say that, that that's part of life you have to go for a pta equally sometimes in a crisis if i have to work at 9 pm so be it so how do you integrate work life so that work is part of life and life is part of work i i think increasingly we should uh, we should work at that otherwise it puts a lot of stress on ourselves when we try to compartmentalize because as i mean you can't compartmentalize work away from life right it is part of life so i think that stress will go away if we try to integrate it in a seamless manner with managers supporting it the other big revelation for me myself was you know when i used to worry about this work life balance um, and think about it try to integrate work life is that the only way we will really be stress free and happier is at a point in time if we start saying enough what is 
why 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 do we keep on stressing and why does this work life issue keep on happening because we are saying i'll work 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 till i become ceo till i get so much money till i build this fancy house then i will lead a life right now that's the other way that we compartmentalize first 30 years of my life work then 20 30 years i will enjoy no i think the answer is that somewhere you have to say enough okay i reached this particular level i made this much money i got this house this is enough for me and i think that's 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 the way we will really do this work life integration seamlessly that's what happened to our ancestors right Right. They um the hunter gatherers gatherers. You roamed around till you got enough food to eat, and once your stuff uh, tummies were satiated, you rested. Right, right. But for us, our tummies are never getting satiated. No, we just want more and more and more and more. Yeah, in fact, that's interesting because we actually look at the Hindu philosophy of life. It's about the four slabs of twenty-five years, right? Where you studied at the first twenty-five, you were grihast in the you know next twenty-five, and then you retired and moved away into the forest, the vanaprastha. So it was actually they were saying that there's always a time to do things, and you need to let go of what's now done, over and done with. But yeah, I think with long office hours, we've quite forgotten that. That's correct. Yeah. Be happy with what you have. Okay. Um, the uh, thing is that you've taken to writing uh, Apurva, and you know you've got some really. interesting books lady you are the boss lady you are not a man and i've read both of them and uh, why did you choose to take to writing and why do you write on this particular genre what what makes you do that i think from childhood i've been a reader i i read extensively while people were playing or socializing watching movies i just would read 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 so i think writing was just a natural corollary to uh, to reading such a lot okay and i enjoyed writing i started writing blogs and they did well so and and i'm talking about 15 years ago so it was it, it was something that happened as a uh, desire to keep myself engaged and uh, uh, you know the creative uh, satisfy the creative part of me having been a business woman all my life this was uh, this was the other side of me uh, talking about women writing about women again almost happened serendipitously because you know when i became a woman leader fairly early on in life i started getting asked to come and speak to women mentor women you know engage with women and increasingly i started realizing that all of the women while they believe that they are really battling very very unique problems actually are suffering from the same sort of issues there are not enough senior women who can be role models they haven't seen too many women in their families work they have they don't know they want to work they want to balance home and life and want to make a success of both but they just don't have any role models or any any guiding light to help them figure it out and as a consequence of getting very confused because they were treading that path in their families and in the ecosystem for the first time and therefore i thought if i write a book it will reach a far larger audience than me just going and speaking one on one which is why both the books came out really to give practical tips and tell women you know all of us are in the same boat all of us are suffering from the same issues the guilt about leaving a small child at home the the desire to may to uh, be a perfectionist so that people don't criticize you the desire to achieve while leading a fulfilling family life and thus the books are really practical guides with anecdotal stories on how you can how you can do this 
And you just say it as it is, you know, I mean, you just have these anecdotes, like you're saying, which really resonates with everyone at every level, at every age. And uh, they're very uh, interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Especially with women, I think we all can relate to a lot of that stuff for sure, uh, you know, in our work lives. So, you know, just taking off from that, you're writing about women, there's this whole thing about feminism, right? Uh, it was certainly a movement that was needed. But, uh, you know, it does tend to go to extremes and it gets misunderstood, misrepresented, even by women themselves, you know, so we are part of the problem in a way. But yes, in terms of how you see, um, you know, life as a woman, as a woman leader, personally and professionally, what is feminism to you really? And uh, how important is it in the Indian context? Anupama, feminism to me is very, very simple. You know, all these complexities and layers that we've added and polarize people's opinion around feminism. Feminism for me is as simple as saying that men and women are equal. Okay, women are not better, men are not better, women are not worse, men are not worse. We are equal as gender. And that is how we would like to be treated, whether it is in at work, whether it is in the kind of salaries that we get, whether it is the kind of opportunities in education, health and uh, uh, career that we get, whether it is in the right to choose and make our own decisions. We just want to be treated equally. I think that's that's true feminism for me. Yeah, I, I agree. Well said, actually, because that, that's the first step to really look at. To, and I think, know, I think we know when you... Equal. And I think that what you said about uh, in the Indian context, the, the, the right to choose, which according to me is something that our patriarchal society doesn't allow women. What I will study, whether I will study at all or not, who I will marry, how many children will I have, what clothes will I wear, will I go out in the night or not in the night. The, the choices have been taken away from women. And I think that's, that, that's the first thing we need to change all of us individually as a society that give our daughters the right to exercise the muscle of choice. True. You know, so just playing on change and choice, Apurva, you know, we are living in unprecedented times. I mean, who would have thought uh, two years back that the whole world would come to a standstill? We certainly haven't seen that in our lifetime. So as a leader and all of us, Soila and me too, as you know, as leaders, We've had to make quick choices, be sharp on our feet and all of that. So with these things changing, what to you are the new trends that are going to come into play? You know, mostly professionally, but even personally, how do lives change with what's happening? And how do you as a leader see yourself, you know, being sharp on your toes to look at, uh, you know, the future ahead? I would talk about two, three trends or two, three, you know, ways leaders and managers need to look at the future. The first one is that, uh, uh, and I've maintained this for the longest time in my own uh, business life, both for companies and for uh, individuals, that life is always going to go through up and down. Of course, we haven't seen the kind of downward trend that happened in the last two years ever earlier, but it's not that we've not had shocks. We've not seen, uh, you know, the, the financial crisis. We've not seen uh, slowdowns. We've not seen stagnation. Of course, we've seen it. I think for businesses and individuals, the way you have to lead your life is more like the ant and less like the grasshopper. And I say this to uh, to individuals because, for example, today, there is this huge, you know, that there's a lack of talent. There are lots of jobs available suddenly because the economy is opening out. 
now the markets are opening out and there are people there are there are youngsters who are wanting to change jobs within 6 months many of them say that they want want to come for an interview don't land up for interviews i was reading this whole uh, twitter trend where you know people are saying we are waiting to interview people they just they, they just don't come on the zoom call and so so and i want to tell these guys that how you will behave when there are jobs are plenty will define how you will be treated when there are lesser jobs okay and this cycle is always going to play, play out winter will come after summer and summer will come after winter we have to be prepared similarly for businesses i think the big thing i've always said is that be prudent in your cost management in your growth plans in your um, top line targets you always need to be prudent and cash profitability focused because only then will you see different cycles and be able to be sustainable during the uh, different cycles i think that's the one thing i would say i mean uh, and the pandemic should have shown this people who felt more ill than others were the guys who whose immunities were compromised so do you start during the pandemic start popping vitamin pills in the hope that your immunity will build or do you live a healthy lifestyle throughout so that you have a high level of immunity so how you live your life otherwise will define what happens during a uh, crisis is I is that first first and the biggest point uh, that i want to make the other thing is that keeping aside the crisis and the pandemic i think increasingly what we are seeing in our organizations are a lot of millennials gen z etc coming into the workforce and their mindset the way they are looking at life is very very different from how we grew up i think we have to be cognizant of that we have to respect that we have to also learn from that so i think if you see a lot of millennials of course at a particular socio economic strata they are all believing in they are worried about climate climate change they are worried about the environment they are wanting to lead minimalistic lives you know the point i made about enough and they are okay they don't want the designations and the promotions and the fancy salaries they want a little more freedom and they are okay with having less less is more for them how do we who grew up in another environment where we want more we want more how do we resonate with this class so the the the, the motivations that kept us going are not necessarily the motivations for this uh, this generation so how do we change those particular milestones in our minds and thus in in our dealings with the the millennials i think these are the two sure, things i would sure. say are the big trends No, i think that's uh, very interesting because even interviewing these youngsters today is like the answers that you get were answers you were never prepared to give and you were getting interviewed that in itself shows you the difference but i'm glad that the difference is there because honestly a uh, lot of things that i do today uh, is because i see youngsters doing it mm-hmm. you know they are actually inspiring you to look at things differently and let go of some stuff yeah it, it's good that that risk appetite that they have and wanting to do their own thing i think is certainly brilliant okay um so as i was saying apurva uh, you, you know you lead businesses you are a very modern voice in uh, you know with uh, where women are concerned so when you meet business leaders is there anything you know that you are hearing that makes you think gosh these people are still living in the past i mean are there such moments you know that you face and then what do you do in that situation unsurprisingly i think a lot of business leaders uh, are are very much living in the past i think they're not not in tune with the changes that are happening and the changes we spoke about about how to deal with the younger generation 
um, but but the two things that really stand off stand out for me and uh, sort of upset me a bit one is of course this whole thing that is on the world is becoming increasingly digital okay and in in digital i mean that's obviously a no brain everybody knows the world is becoming digital but in digital there is a lot of democratization that is happening whether it's democratization of knowledge whether it is of sharing whether it is democratization of um, everybody having access to the same kind of information okay and i think as a consequence of this the transparency and openness and the questions that anupama was just alluding to that the younger generation asks i, I don't think the leaders who are living in the past are comfortable with moving away from that very hierarchical style of working to a more democratic style of working okay they still want to be treated like the gods for everybody to obey them without uh, using their own mind maine bol diya to karna hai this generation is not going to be able to deal with this and nor should they nor should they because we as leaders don't know enough sometimes our juniors will know as much or more than us about the changing trends and the evolving trends so that that's okay no that's okay it's a team after all i think that's the first thing that bothers me the second thing that bothers me is again it's a bit inf- unfortunate but i see a lot of leaders holding on to that designation and that role and that and you know they've been doing the same thing for the last 20 years but they still want to do it for the next 10 years and that that again somewhere you have to if not retire and indeed why should anybody retire but at least evolve yourself so people around you below you also evolve and grow you are not going to grow and evolve then you are not going to allow people around you to evolve too right i think that's that's the second thing that i see missing in today's business leaders do you feel pressure apurva knowing that you know you are the one strong one of the strong voices of women so do you need to do the right things to be the role model for women or do you take no pressure on that you just do your thing you know always i have believed and since you've read my books you will realize that uh, it is the best thing that you can do for your own sanity and for your own stress levels is to be as authentic and as real as possible okay so it's okay i'm not perfect i have some strengths i have some weaknesses so do you so do so, so does everybody around uh, around us so we are okay about living with uh, strengths and weaknesses i'm okay with myself as i am i think that and that portrayal that reality should come out for everybody for two reasons one is it puts less stress on me because i'm not posturing and putting up a mask because when you put a mask you're you're uncomfortable with who you are no so if you are uncomfortable with you you are you will be more stressed the other thing is i think it's important when you if you want to be a role model you show people everything your strengths and weaknesses and therefore they will also become comfortable with their own selves i think that's the biggest lesson that one can leave to your children to people who work with you to pe- your your peers that be as authentic and real because it's okay to be you yeah no 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 it is okay to be you in fact uh you know so well and i talk about this often i think we may have realized a little late in our lives you know but we are now stepping out and you know doing what we want to do and asking for what we want as well and you find that people respond to that you never right. just did that before so you know you can't even sit back and blame anybody because right. you never voiced what you wanted to really say right. so uh, you know apurva i mean it's like brilliant listening to you and you know 
you are, you've done so much, you're so sure of yourself. So what keeps you going? Because Soil and I keep egging each other on pretty often. So, uh, you know, you're there out there. So what keeps you really, really going? And any goals you yet wish to achieve or you're quite where you wanted to be? So what keeps me going to answer that first question? I think, as I said, right in the beginning, this whole desire to evolve and constantly do more and do do things that are that I've not done earlier. So I think that that sort of keeps me going. I, I don't want to stagnate. I don't want to get stuck to being what I was when I was 20 years old or 30 years old or 40 years old. I think every decade we have to be a different person. Clearly, I think that keeps me going. And I would say the other thing, which also is in a sense a goal or yet another desire to keep going is, you know, when we all started working, remember these, these are the pre-90s where our parents were government servants. We always had less. It was, you know, uh, roti kapda makan was the big, uh, big, big uh, goals for uh, each one of us. From that to now, from those days to now, I think we've got far more than we ever dreamt of or envisaged, right? Now, when that happens, when in a sense the universe sort of conspires to give you what you want, what, what do you need to do in turn? I think you need to do two things. One is you have to say enough. Yes, I have, I have enough. Now, can I use that experience? Can I use the resources? Can I use what I have to improve society, the system, other people's lives around me? And I, and I, I think we have, we have to, and again, you talked about those four ashrams. So there comes a stage where you say, Grahasta ashram, okay, this, this, is, this was good enough. What I got, what I worked at, I achieved. Now, the next 25 years, what can I do? How can I help? And we just can't sit and say one day the government will solve the problems of the world or some big leader will come or suddenly the universe will uh, change things around. Each one of us has to move out and make things better for uh, people around us. And what's the point of that experience and that uh, and the resources? I think these oh, are abso- the uh, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, because this resonates with me. I think a lot of what you're saying is really working for Soila and me because, you know, when I quit the corporate world, I was many years still away from the formal retirement age, you know, but there were a lot of considerations like that, this that came into play, uh, you know, where you said, okay, you have enough. Yes, you can make that move. And then, you know, now I'm actually looking at, uh, you know, doing a lot of stuff out there based on my experience. So, yeah, I mean, I totally get where you're kind of coming from. But, you know, just to uh, tap into your expertise, Apurva, you know, Soira and I, having worked 20 plus years in the corporate world, we've now started doing little things of our own. You know, she's founded a company uh, that's in organic foods. I founded my own NGO in Himachal. So, you know, we've kind of doing our own thing along with, you know, what we are doing as formal jobs. So, what does it take to strike out on one's own at this stage of our lives? And uh, are there any downsides to it? Or is it all ups along the way once things get going? Be gentle on this answer, Purva. Be gentle. <laughs> because we just started out. <laughs> <laughs> I think what, what, what takes for it to strike out on your own? I think that the, firstly and foremost, the, the, what I said earlier, the desire to do or to impact at a larger scale or at a different scale than what you have been uh, what you have been doing i think that's that uh, that's the first thing the other thing is really courage courage to strike out and that courage comes really with uh, you know 
trusting yourself so i remember once i was and i keep on using this story because it's one my favorite story that i was listening to rahul dravid speak and someone asked me that asked him that he's you are such a thinking cricketer so you think and analyze and then that's what we know of you so when you are standing in front of uh, you know the wicket and the ball is coming towards you what are you thinking of how do you play the ball are you analyzing etc so he said see there's not enough time for me to analyze when i'm standing there to bat but what i do at that moment is practice trust trust in my ability to ma- to um, uh, play that ball trust in my ability that i had practiced earlier trust in my muscle muscle memory because i put in the effort earlier so practice trust and i thought i'd really like that and i think that's that's what we to strike out on your own you have to practice trust in your own abilities i mean i became a ceo very young i'm talking about uh, 95 so i was 29 years when wow. i became a ceo okay so i've been i've been running organizations for 25 years in 25 years i know how to run organizations i know how to build scale then at 55 when i decided to strike out on my own what am i doing it's a completely new business it's a food business i've always been in services and media it's a food business but i'm practicing trust in my abilities and i know how to build organizations yeah and i know how to build brands i think that should be good enough 20 years if you put into something into building something brands businesses teams that's the trust you practice that you will do well in organic foods and in ngos and in whatever you choose to do that's really right. comforting so <laughs> yeah 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 that's excellent yeah it's about your skill base and your ability in the long run you know which you've kind of acquired experience with right sure. so quite a few terms are you know apurva we are going to borrow from you like you know practice trust and you know integrate work life versus you know pitting them against each other so this is the final question apurva and we ask this to all our guests and it comes from this template of what we want our lives to be we always visualize that and hopefully put it out in the world what we want to do what we want to achieve how we want to live so sitting today over here do you believe that you've been able to you know achieve your template or are you on that path to achieving it what is this template how clear are you with that knowing that you've achieved so much if you can just share a few thoughts on that so again i'll use a terminology which you will uh, like and you will borrow i know that is i want to say that i think all of us have constantly believed that we are wips we are not finished pieces of art we are work in progress and every time you are just a work in progress okay and therefore constant evolution constant improvement constantly building yourself into a better and better version of yourself i think that's that, that that's really should be your only template because things change environment changes situation changes you as a person change your reactions change your likes and dislikes change so there's no point having having a template or a goal or uh, which is a like a fixated goal as, as um, uh, swami chinmayanand said once that you know okay so you have a goal that you want to um, have five crores now let's say by age 35 you have five crores after that what will you do will you wither away so having these kind of fixated goals is also at least i don't believe uh, uh, believe in them i think that every decade you as a human being will change and therefore you should have a template for a decade but beyond that new set of new templates new goals new uh, new aspirations i think that's how one uh, needs to uh, lead a life 
and finally i would say that you know creating a template also labels you and boxes you why should you label yourself and box yourself okay i will be a uh, my template my goal is to be a ceo in a media organization why yeah why can't you be anything that you choose to be ceo of a media organization is also limiting no yep fantastic <laughs> yes no that's true we are evolving as people so let everything else evolve that's true so how is the new year looking for you apurva i mean knowing that you know on the back of 2020 2021 how is 2022 looking for you who would have thought that for the third year we would be still you know dealing with the uh, with the virus and dealing with the less maybe maybe the virus has become less virulent but the fears are very much there right so dealing with anxieties de- dealing with uncertainties dealing with the fear i mean there's only seems to be bad news good news nobody is talking about so uh, so so it so it's it's not a great situation for the world to be in yes things are far better economically for india as well as the rest of the world but it's we are not out of the woods as yet that that's the larger story or the larger narrative that is surrounding us as we get into the new year from a personal front i of course am you know i started our new venture azol a few months ago i mean you you're in organic foods and you're running an ngo in himachal so you would have a sense where we are working with self help groups of maharashtra and curating food products and trying to reach it out to a larger audience so helping women helping self help groups at the same time creating a market for local food i think is something that um, i started off along with my son initial days yes first 100 days only we are very pleased with the progress and working very hard to grow that so there's also a sense of optimism because when you're putting seeds out the optimism is always there that they will flourish into a victory anyway we wish you all the best for that apurva just before we conclude this of all the things that you've said in your books is there one specific thing you feel all women should know yes and i think that is that there is going to be no fairy godmother there is going to be no prince charming who will come to uh, to your aid you have to be your own fairy godmother you have to be your own prince charming and you have to be the heroine of your story oh i love that i Thanks. love it yeah, i love this i love it yeah thank you yeah. so much apurva for being on our podcast anu and i have had a great morning and you know everything that i've heard about you uh, from you know people that know you i mean It is true. <laughs> you are wonderful. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you both of you for inviting me. Thank you. I mean, it's always such a pleasure to meet um, uh, successful and inspirational women such as the two of you. I think what also I was so thrilled to have this conversation was that you know when you have like-minded women working together. I think there's a magic that gets created because after all we are all soul sisters. and women partners working together is something that i've seen rarely but when i see that there's real magic that gets created so thank you for allowing me to participate in that circle of magic shot thank you so much thanks a lot we hope this podcast encourages you to follow your dreams listeners we will be back very soon with more chance takers till then have a good day and do like and share this podcast